Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Now, this is a harsh, this word I've got may come across harsh. And uh, so, I don't apologize for that. I just wanted to let you know up front that uh, it may sound a little tough. Because that's the writer, James, uh, talk tough. In fact, James would, would, would say things like, uh, basically in his writing, the attitude was this. You say you're a Christian, well then this is what Christians do. You say you're a Christian, this is how Christians live. Now I know we like Paul's writings, in fact I love them. And, uh, and I love Paul's emphasis on grace. Uh, but also you got to have both. You got to have grace because grace is what empowers you to live holy. But then you got to have James saying, hey, this is how it is. I don't want to mince words. I'm not going to sugarcoat things. He was bold and he wrote a letter. Uh, He wrote the epistle and it's in your face. Today I want to preach for the next few moments. Uh, starting a ser- sermon series entitled Cancel Culture. Now, you've heard that, right? Uh, uh, that we're in a cancel culture where people cancel, uh, things are being canceled. Uh, in fact, the last thing that was canceled, I mean, it's got under my skin. Uh, and that's the All-Star Game in Atlanta. I was looking forward to that, not that I was going, because I wasn't, but I just thought it was a good thing. I love the Atlanta Braves. I thought it was a great thing to have the All-Star Game in Atlanta. But it got canceled, and it was canceled for, out of political manipulation. And uh, so cancel culture, and I'm not preaching on that or even want to talk about that. I'll, all I'm going to say is this. If everybody can cancel everything, I want to cancel some stuff myself. And what I'd like to cancel is cultural Christianity. It's not a real Christianity. Sounds like it. Sort of looks like it. A cultural Christian, you'll find them at church. But they don't live as a Christian should. A cultural Christian is one who identifies as a Christian but does not really adhere to anything the Word of God says. They label themselves as a Christian uh, merely based on the fact that, hey, well, I'm not a Buddhist. I'm, I'm not a Muslim, so I must be a Christian. Cultural Christianity has more to do with family background than it does with conviction. They hang around the church, but they're not the church. You can say amen anytime. Don't leave me hanging. They take church attendance and make it a hobby. Charitable giving, just another good deed. To dole... Uh, the, the negative thoughts that they have about themselves and give them a false security that, hey, I'm good. When in fact, you aren't good. There is no one good. No, not one. But God is perfect. And God gave us His Son, Jesus, to be our perfection. Uh, some other identifying marks, and maybe you're a cultural Christian today. And that's fine. You can do something about it. You can get things right today. Maybe you're a cultural Christian. Uh, maybe, maybe you deny the inspiration of Scripture. Uh, 
Well, not all of it, but the parts you don't like. You know, three, your, your favorite verse is found in about uh, chapter 10, verse uh, 6, but you really don't care about verses 1 through 5. You're a cultural Christian. Uh, you ignore and downplay repentance. You really don't believe there's anything you need to repent of. I actually heard a guy say that because he's really never done anything wrong. Cultural Christians focus on the love of Jesus and his acceptance while leaving out the fact that there's a real hell. Don't want to hear nothing about obedience. I lost you yet? Sacrifice, don't want to hear nothing about it. Tolerate sin almost to the point where we celebrate it. Tolerating sin so that we don't hurt somebody's feelings, but what about eternity? And then if anybody speaks up about any of this, well, then you're judgy and legalistic. Pastor, you really, you're thinking right now, maybe, you really shouldn't even be talking about those people. Well, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking to those people. Big difference. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking to them. They're listening online. You're sitting in this seat. Some of you might be in that situation right now. You've slipped. You've, you've faded into this cultural Christianity. Check the box, Christian. Hmm. Talk about God, but little to nothing to do with about Jesus. And oh, by the way, hey, it's raining outside, so you might as well just sit down and get comfortable. <clears throat> do enough religious stuff that maybe you feel good about yourself. Gain a sense of security while living without any true devotion to Christ. And then this last one says, if you love Jesus, this is what cultural Christians will tell you, if you love Jesus and do good things, nothing bad will ever happen to you. Everything will be great and good and wonderful. You won't have no issues. won't have any trials. If you believe God enough, there's a, there's a group of people that say, listen to me now. There's a group that says, if you have enough faith, you never get it. Never have any problems. That's a false gospel. It's a lie. If, if that's the truth, then Paul didn't have enough faith. If that's the truth, then James, who wrote this, didn't have enough faith. But you know what? He actually said the opposite. So I'm trying to wake some people up. We live in a, a also in a society where wokeism, a woke, a woke society, have you heard that? Or you get woke? You, you wake, you woke? Woke up? I don't know how to say that without, in the right tense. I'm, I'm not talking, but, but I'm looking for some folks to wake up today. To wake up to the realization that everything ain't right. You see, a lukewarm Christian, Francis Chan said this, a lukewarm Christian is one who wants to be saved from the penalty of sin, but not saved from sin. You like sin. You know, you can earmark these people who are cultural Christians because they're the ones who always say, 
Sin, sin, true. I've said that. But a lot of times we say sin, sin to justify a sin that I struggle with. Pastor, well, you shouldn't talk about that sin. What sin? What sin? What's one I shouldn't talk about? No, you tell me. Huh? Okay, give me a better one. Huh? Pornography? Hey, don't talk about pornography, Pastor, because sin is sin. I'll give you a good one. This is the one that they come at me with. Don't talk about homosexuality. Because y'all know that's the, that's the one, right? You know why we don't want people to talk about that? Because you've got people that you love that are in that lifestyle. But I also got people that I love that are addicted to drugs. I also have people that I love that are alcoholics. I also have people that I love that are in an adulterous affair. Do I not talk to them about their sin? Or do I just say, well, I love them. Sin, sin. I can't say anything because, well, I'm a glutton. So if I'm a glutton, then I can't talk about anybody else. You say anything about anybody else's sin. I can't even talk about sin. No, here's the facts. We've got to get to a place where I hate gluttony. I hate homosexuality. I hate lying. I hate foul language. I hate adultery. I hate idolatry. I hate all sin. It's sin, sin. Yes, and I hate sin. I hate what it does. The people, I hate how it destroys families. I hate how it divides homes. I hate how it steals, how it kills, how it destroys. I hate sin. And if I hate it enough, I hate it enough to hurt your feelings. I hate it enough for you not to like me for a while. I hate it enough for you to get healed. Anybody listening to me this morning? One thing I want to talk about today is this idea that once you get saved, everything's going to be just perfect. Because it ain't, but it's going to be worth it. Huh? It's going to be worth it. Won't have no problems. Okay. Let's read. James chapter 1. Now James is the half-brother. This James is the half-brother of Jesus. Now I think that's that's special. I think it's special also because James didn't get saved until after the resurrection of Jesus. John chapter 7 says his brethren didn't even believe that Jesus was the Son of God. And that ain't hard to believe, right? Some of the hardest people for you to win over to the Lord is your family. Huh? So James, the half-brother, you say, why is, the half, why is he the half-brother of Jesus? Because Mary was his mother, but Joseph was James's father. Jesus' mother was Mary, but his daddy was God. So the half-brother of Jesus. James chapter 1, James, a servant of God. Notice he didn't say, hey, James, I'm the half-brother of Jesus. 
Oh no. James, I'm a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the 12 tribes dispersed abroad, greetings. He was writing to a mainly Jewish audience. That's why he talked about the 12 tribes. But I also say the 12 tribes abroad and remnant church. Me and you. Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, when, that's important, underline that, you experience various trials. Huh? Count it joy? Some of y'all say, if I believe God enough, I won't have no problems. Well, can you believe God enough to say to make the to make the word a lie? James says, no, you're gonna have some trouble, but instead of crying about it, rejoice about it. Huh? I don't get that. Right? That doesn't make any sense. It says, consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, when. So this is not, not if trials happen. It's, it's inevitable. Is anybody listening to what I'm saying this morning? It's inevitable. It's going to happen. You're going to have trials in your life. I, I like what it says, whenever you experience. Now the King James Version, and maybe you've got it, it says, when you fall into. I couldn't help but think about a couple months ago, what happened to me at the, at the uh, graveside that I'd done. The other, the other day, it's been a couple months ago, and I mean no disrespect, this was, this was Garrett's uh, grandmother, a sweet lady. She loved the Lord. She come to church here the last part of her, li last part of her life. And uh, they asked me if I'd do her funeral. I said, absolutely, I would, no problem. We got confused about what time the funeral started. Uh, I thought the funeral home said it started at 3.30. I've never been late to a funeral. You tend not to try to be late to funerals. Well, I wasn't late. I was going to by what time I thought. They said, be there. Well, I was late. The funeral home called me and said, Caleb, where you at? I said, I'm at the house. Where are you at? <laughs> he said, well, I'm at this funeral you're supposed to be preaching. Yeah, that was a silence that kind of went there. So anyway, I said, well, I'll be there just as soon as I can. So I took off. I thought, how am I going to smooth this over? Right? I got there. I get out the car. Garrett, am I telling the truth, Garrett? He runs the center camera right back there. And I got there. All I thought about was getting there as quick as I could. I get out the car. I walk towards the podium. It's outside at the graveside. And I'm, on the, I'm walking. Everything seems to be going good. I get on that green carpet, you know, the AstroTurf. I'm walking across there. And all of a sudden, whew, I fell in the hole. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I thought, I thought 
Y'all wrote those jokers off. Put something over it. Now this wasn't, this wasn't a, the body, whole body. This was a cremation. But they were going to take the ashes. I, I've never, this was the first time I've been, and they bury the ashes. So they had dug a hole, not quite as big, but big enough. And I'm walking along there, on the ground, in the ground. I pull all the astroturf, it goes down in there with me. Everything's down in the hole. It seems like an hour goes by, I'm hanging by the, I'm hanging my arm. That's a lot of weight to hang. I, uh, and the funeral home guys come running. Now neither, none of them said, don't go that way. Hey, I'd go around there. Hey, we got a hole right there. No, they didn't say none of that. But boy, they sure come running up there to help get me out. While I was down there, I heard a man, an older man, you know, one of those kind of guys, kind of rough, get, don't take a lot to get aggravated. Always, sometimes it's like sitting always in a bad mood, you know what I mean? I, I, when I fell, I didn't look up. I was just looking down. And I heard this old man say, oh, Lord. He done fell into the hole. <laughs> see, that happened pretty quick. And see, listen, that's what this is saying. Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. It's sudden. A trial will come on you like, just like that. On, on the other side of a text on the other side of a knock at the door, on the other side of a phone call, on the other side of a conversation, we just need to sit down and talk. A trial, you'll find yourself in a trial really quick. Now I'm not talking about, hear me just a second, I'm not talking about you done some, something stupid or you sin and now, now, now you're dealing, in, you say I'm in a trial. No, 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 you're dealing with a consequence, okay? If you robbed a bank and you're in prison, you're not in a trial, you're in a consequence. If you cheat on your wife and your wife takes everything from you and all everything but the payments and you're making the payments, hey, you're not in a trial. You're in a consequence. You see? So I'm not talking about a consequence. I'm talking about a trial today. And this is what the Bible says, count it great joy when you experience, fall into various trials. Why? Because you know that the testing, of, listen, the testing of your faith produces endurance. Hold on. If you don't get anything, get this right now. Write this down. There's purpose in your pain. In the providence of God, God, pain has purpose. Providence means in the caring and guardianship of God. Your life and care of God. Pain has purpose. What is the purpose? What is the purpose? To produce endurance. What is endurance? You're going to need it. Hebrews said, the writer of Hebrews said, you're going to have to run with endurance. This isn't a sprint. Living for God isn't a sprint. You get hit. You take blows. You deal with stuff. You get hurt. You need endurance to run this race. And trials give you greater endurance. See, 
Understand this, that it's not the, it's not the increasing of your faith. That's not what trials do. Trials doesn't build your faith. Trials builds your endurance. You know what builds your faith? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. You, you want me to build your faith right now for the next trial? Here it is. You're going to face a test. God just said it through his word. But this test cannot surprise you because you just read that it's going to happen. That you're going to face. If you are coming out of a trial, if you're not in a trial, you're going into a trial. It's going to happen, but it's not to destroy you. It's to develop you. It's to develop you. The Bible says that the testing of your faith produces endurance. What is endurance? It's the, the ability to endure an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without, listen, without giving way, without giving in, without giving in to temptation. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature. Are you reading it with me? And complete and lacking nothing. Huh? Your trial is to develop you. And it's not of Satan. You think Satan is in the process that wants to develop your faith? Develop your endurance? Absolutely not. God allows things to take place in our lives. But you need to remember this. All things work together for, for our good. To those who love the Lord and are thee called according to his purpose. It's not to destroy, to destroy you. It's to develop you. But you know what can delay development? Sin. Look what verse 13 says. No one undergoing a trial should say, I'm being tempted of God. Since God is not tempted by evil. Wait a minute. So, so what it's saying is, in a trial, there is going to be the opportunity for temptation. But no one should say God's tempting me. Because God is not tempted by evil and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. Next verse. Listen. But each person is tempted. You need to bolt, you need to highlight, circle, underline what I'm fixing to tell you. Each person is tempted when he, he, he or she the devil didn't make you do it? Huh? The situation wasn't just so bad, I had to. Had no choice. No. 
Each person is tempted when they're in the middle of a trial. Each person is tempted when he or she is drawn away and enticed by his or her own evil desire. Then after, listen, then it goes on. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth. What? So you can't have lust and enticement and let them have, get together. Because when they get together, they're going to make a baby. What's enticement? Enticement's tricking, tricking yourself. It's, it's, I trick myself to believe that I can do what I've done before and get a different result. Because I want it. So when lust and enticement come together, they have a baby. It gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. All right, let's put it all together. Count it all joy when you fall into trials. But expect in the middle of a trial a temptation. But don't give in because temptation delays development. What God wants to do in your life, build your endurance, that only happens when you submit to God, resist the devil, and don't give in to temptation because temptation delays development. For example, Job. The book of, the book of Job and Job tells a story, some of the oldest writings, if not the oldest writings in the Bible. Job is a rich man. The Bible says, listen, he's a righteous man. He's saved. He loves God. And he loses everything. He loses his money. He loses his children. They die. He loses his homes. He even loses his health. The Bible talks about him breaking pots and scratching his skin as his body's eaten up with leprosy. Lost everything except his faith. While he's in this trial looking for some comfort, <coughs> he goes to his friends. Oh, they're encouraging. You know what they say? Man, what'd you do wrong? You must have done something for all this to be going on. Some of y'all thought the same thing about people before. Man, you must have done something. God's getting you back, boy. But Job keeps the faith. He doesn't give in to the temptation of, I must have done something wrong. I wasn't good enough. Then he goes on, doesn't give in to temptation, and his wife says, Job, how long are you going to do this, man? Look what God's taken from you. You've lost everything, your home, your family, your health, your finances. <clears throat> Why don't you just curse God 
and die. That was the temptation. What? To quit. To give up. But if she did, if he did, it would delay what God was wanting to do in his life. Do you know what Job said? Job said, naked I came into this earth, naked I'll leave. The Lord gives and he takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. He didn't give in to temptation in the middle of a trial, but he kept the faith. Am I talking to anybody today? Make this practical for me, Pastor. I ain't Job. Make it practical, okay. Some of you right now are in a season of singleness. And it has become a trial for you because you want to be married. You want companionship. You want relationship. You want other things. But you're a Christian. Not a cultural Christian. A Christian. Born again. And here you are, your singleness has become a trial. Watch out, because here comes temptation. What's the temptation? Well, you know, because you're a born-again believer, that sex is saved for marriage. We still believe that, right? It don't matter if you believe it or not. God's Word says it. So it really don't matter what you believe. Sex is saved for marriage, so because you're a born-again believer... Not trying to rationalize it. Not trying to say, well, sin, sin. And, you know, I say, why can't I just do this? No, 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 no. You, you, you're a born-again believer, and you say, I'm not going to do that. Here comes a temptation anyway. Why don't you call so-and-so a booty call? That's what it is. You say, I can't believe you said that. Wait, somebody's got to talk about it. Somebody's got to talk about it. What is that, Pastor? I don't know what that is. It's when you, huh? That's right. They know what it is, but you don't want me to talk about it. But I'm going to talk about it anyway. So, I'm going to call this person who, no strings attached, it don't matter. I call them, we can have sex, it means nothing, it's just physical. Right? There's the temptation. But what happens, it delays development. So instead of enduring, that's what it's about, right? Instead of enduring, you give in to temptation. And you delay what God is wanting to do. Because God's got some, somebody that won't lay around with just anybody. For you. His best. For you. But what happens is you delay development by giving into temptation. Here, here's another example. Make it practical. You're in a tr financial trial. Everything was going good. You, you give the tithes. You, you give offerings. You try to do your best with your finances. And, 
and you lost your job. Could happen to anybody. And you're struggling now. You're trusting God. You're enduring. You're trusting. Here comes a temptation. You know you're not making near what you used to make. You better hold on to that tithe. Don't give it. You need it more. You need it more. God will understand. There's a temptation. You give in to that temptation. And what God was wanting to do in your life now has been delayed. You know, sometimes I think why we, the reason we go through trials is for God to show himself strong and mighty. See, I would never know Jesus was, God was Jehovah Jireh, my provider, if I'd never been broke. I would never know him to be my healer if I'd never been sick. I'd never know him to be my comforter if there wasn't seasons in my life that I was all alone and by myself. It's in the trial that God develops me. I'd have never known him as Savior if I wasn't a sinner. Here's another one. You've done your best to train up your children to live for God. You've done your best. You weren't perfect. Who, who, what parent is? And you've done your best and you trained the child up the, way, the, the best way you knew how. You took them to church, but it wasn't just taking them to church. You, you tried to show them and how to live for God. They grow up, they get out of your house, and now you're scared to death. Because you, you, you're, you're, you're fearful that if they were to step into eternity, they'd spend forever in hell because they're not living for God. Anybody in here know what I'm talking about? That's a trial, friend. I said, that's a trial. Here's the temptation. If you would have just done this and done that, they'd be living for God. If you would have just spent more time with them. If you wouldn't have been so hard on them. That's why they don't like church now. Because you were so hard on them. That temptation to begin to feel sorry for yourself. Believe the lies of the enemy. Allow guilt and condemnation to come and flood into your life. Stealing your joy and your peace. Huh? You can delay development by giving in to temptation. Now some of you will say this. Pastor, I just had to give in. It was too much for me to bear. I just couldn't take it. I had to sin. I had to give in. There was no way out. Really. So what the Bible says. 
I know I hate going back to that. But that's not what the Bible says. But this is what we live our life by. By what God says. Not, what, by, what, not by what man says. Not, what, not by what may seem right or seem popular. What God's word says. Look what God says in 1 Corinthians through Paul. Chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation. I, I want you to get this. There is no temptation. Are you reading it with me? That has come upon you except what is common to humanity. Wait a minute. Stop right there. Some of y'all think my situation's special. You don't know, and I, I want to have compassion on you right now. And I am. This is compassion. Be compassionately, passionately saying what I'm about to say. You don't know what I struggle with. No, I don't. But God does. I've had people tell me, you can't talk to me about that. And I say, oh yeah, I can. Uh, yes, I can, and yes, I will. Come in my office and tell me what I can't talk to you about. You came into my office. I didn't make an appointment with you. You made an appointment with me. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about what God says. No tempt temptation. It might not be a temptation for me, but it's a temptation for you. What is temptation? Temptation is not temptation unless it's tempting. Right? And some of you have things that tempt you that don't tempt me, but it's not uncommon. Don't think your, your situation is strange and you just had to give me a no, 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 no. Listen, no temptation, no temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. Oh, I love this. But God is faithful. He will not allow you. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond. Are you reading this? What you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it. Now, I, I find courage in this verse because no matter what we're tempted with, God gives a way of exit. And you know what it makes me think about this man named Joseph in the Old Testament. Find a story in, in, in Genesis. Man, this guy was always going through something. He knew what it was like to, to, to have trials in his life. Called by God. Loved by God. But you know what? Sold into slavery by his brothers. Jealous of him. Winds up at a man's house by the name of Potiphar. Moves up the rank. Was a slave. Now is the manager of all Potter's stuff. Potiphar's stuff. Has access to everything except one thing. Now listen. The one thing, Jesse, 
that he didn't have access to was the very thing that wanted him. Who was it? Potiphar's wife. Come here, boy. I want to make you my boyfriend. Or something to that effect. Huh. Over and over, she chased him. Now, this ain't a, this ain't a, a this ain't a, this ain't me putting down women. I know for some of y'all think, well, he talked about Joseph, talked about uh, Job's wife. Now he's talking about Potiphar's wife. Hey, I didn't write this, okay? <laughs> There's plenty of other places where men screw up. Just happens. To, this is what we're talking about. Now. She says, I want you, boy. I'm, you're going to be mine. He said, no, I'm not. I'm not fooling with you. I'm not. Over and over again. No, I'm not. He stayed away from her. She cornered him up one day. And this is what he said. He said, my master's given me everything. Man, this is a beautiful, now this is a beautiful shadow of, of the new covenant. Jesus, my master has given me everything except you. Some of y'all are going to get this now. And if my master says, I can have this, this, and this, but not you, then I don't need you. And you know what he done? He went even further and said, this ain't a sin against just you, a sin against me. This is a sin against my God. And then you know what he done? This is what I take away from it. He ran. He ran. He, he tried to talk to her. He seen he couldn't talk to her. Let me tell you something. There's some things you don't, just need, you don't need to hash out. You don't need to talk. Oh! I'm not doing this thing today. No, in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to look at it. I know it's over there. I'm not going to look at it. I'm not going to talk to it. I'm not going to say it. You don't need to do all that. You just need to run. You just need to get out of there. If, hey, you just run. God made a way of escape. Take the way out. It don't make you less of a man, less of a woman, less of a child of God. It says, I love God more than I love sin. Huh? He took off, ran. Without his clothes, she pulled his outer garment off and he ran anyway. And I'm telling you, run. It don't matter if it, it strips everything away from you. You lose your friends. You lose popularity. It doesn't matter. If you lose rank, in society, run. I don't care what they say about you. It doesn't matter what they say about you. It matters what God says about you. And I'm a Christian, not a cultural Christian, a born-again child of the Most High God who has fallen in love with Jesus. And I want my life to be pleasing to Him. And I don't have to give in to sin and I don't have to give in to temptation. God has made a way of escape. 
So I'm in this trial. I know temptation is going to raise its ugly head, but I do not have to give in. Anybody listening to me? Am I preaching today? Stand with me all across the building. Give me two minutes. I want to ask you right now. Do you find yourself in a trial? Hurry up and get where you're going to get now. You find yourself in a trial. Are you feeling the temptation? Did you know that even doubt is sin? Anything that's not of faith. Unbelief. Sin. You're trying to take anything into your own hands? You're in a trial? You want to take care of it yourself? That's a temptation, ain't it? To fix it. Men, don't you want to fix things? You like to fix it. Make it right. How's that going? Especially when it's got to do with somebody else. You can't fix it, can you? You got to turn it over to God. You got to turn it over to God. Okay, I'm at the end. What do I want you to know? What I want to leave you with. This is it. I want my life to be pleasing to God. Do you? As a Christian, do you want your life to be pleasing to God? You say, well, pastor, where's the grace and all that? Here's the grace. Grace teaches us to live righteously and soberly. Titus, I think chapter 2, verse 14, somewhere in there. You can't do this without the grace of God. Here's the grace. He gives you a way out. Take the next exit. Get out of sin. Quit with complacency and compromise. There's enough people out there saying they're Christians. Tarnishing our witness. They're going to be allowed about what they say and what they do and they post it on social media and all that, that stuff. They live loud and they live out in sin and they, and they say they're Christians. And I, If they're going to do that, okay. But then I'm going to be loud too. I'll do it in love. I won't do it in anger. I'm going to do it in passion. You can confuse the two, but it won't be anger. But it'll be love and passion. And I'm going to live out loud. And I'm going to stand for what God stands for. And I'm going to say what God says say. And I'm going to live how God says live if I have to live on my knees. I'm tired of giving way to the enemy.
I'm getting real serious, guys. Maybe it's personal. Maybe you ain't there yet. Maybe you ain't ready. Now it's time for me to get real serious about what I listen to, what I watch, what I see, what I hear, what I get around, what I let get around me. Because not only do I want to be pleasing to God, I don't want to be a stumbling block for somebody who's looking for another way. I tell them Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And they say, yeah, but the way you're going looks like the way I'm already going. I don't want to be that person. I want my, I want my life to look different, sound different, be different. Here's my call. Let's cancel this. Let's cancel this cultural Christianity. And let's start it with us, me. You. This lie that we can win people by to the Lord by acting like them and throw the gospel in there some way. No, that don't work. This thing's so different. This gospel's so different. It's nothing like the way, it's nothing like the world. So I'm asking you to join me. And let's be radical. I'm going to, for the next four, three, three more weeks now, I'm going to be preaching about cultural Christianity. And I'm going to make you, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm hoping that you're going to make a decision to say, I've been asleep, it's time to wake up. I hope for you, whether you've been saved for five minutes or five, five months, <clears throat> five days. Some of you see this and say, that ain't what I want to be. Some of you who have just recently been saved or got saved today, congratulations. Some people got saved today. It's going to be the best life you lived. But I didn't say it was going to be easy. But it is so worth it. I laid my head down at night and you know what I got? Peace. I got peace. I might be in a trial, but I got peace. May not have all the money that some, some might have, but I got peace. I got peace. I got God's grace. When I wake up, you know what's going to be there new for me? His mercy is new every morning. And I'm not going to go through anything that I'm going to have to go through by myself. Every head bowed, every eye closed, we're going to pray and we're going to leave. But I want to ask you this question. Are you a cultural Christian? If so, repent. Repent. What's repent? Say, this is where I'm screwing up. This is what I've been thinking. It's wrong. I know it's wrong. This is the way I've been living. I know it's wrong. Forgive me, God. I turn away from it. I'm not a cultural Christian. I'm a born-again, blood-bought, spirit-filled child of the Most High God. And I love you. 
And I want my life to be pleasing to you. That's all you got to do right now. Father, for those who got saved earlier in this service, Lord, I pray now that they would sell out completely to you. Run to you. Seek you. Get in church. Stay in church. Get in the Word. Stay in the Word. And allow them submit to discipleship. Father, I just want to be like you. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto you. Oh Lord, my God, my King. Look at me, church. I know it's... How long has it been since you've said, Jesus, I want to be more like you. Have you ever? Because see, I can remember, there's a lot of things I learned, be mama, that was wrong. But there's also a lot of things I learned in my Pentecostal tradition. That was right. I can, there were some people that had a hunger for God. And their cry every day was, God, I want to be more like you. How long has that been in your prayer? Has it, has it been since that's been in your prayer? Huh? Too long. I want to be like Jesus. I mean my behavior, my life, the way I live. I want, I want it to line up with Jesus. I want to be more like you. Father, that's my prayer. And I pray, if that's your prayer today, would you just lift your hand and say, I, I want to be more. Now take and lift the other one up. And we're going to, you know how to be more like Jesus? Surrender your will for his will. Let's pray. Lord, we surrender our wants for your wants, God. Holy Spirit, work in my life. I want to be more like you, less like me. I must decrease, God, so that you can increase. Take what's not of you, take it out. Relationships that aren't of you, take it out. Habits and hang-ups that aren't of you, I lay them at your feet, oh God. Attitudes and thoughts, I lay it at your feet. I want to be like you, Jesus. Oh, I want to be like you, Lord. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? I want to invite you, if you got saved today, or if you got saved last week, hold on, don't forget about new believers. I'm looking for you tomorrow, seven o'clock, supper will be provided. If you got saved today, show up. You gotta submit to discipleship. You don't know nothing about this life and you need to learn about it.
I love you. I'm praying for you. There ain't nothing you can do about it. God bless you. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.